Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Today we have some wonderful questions and stories to share with you all. Thank you so much to everyone who sends in their questions and shares their experiences with us. Denise and I feel that it gives us all an opportunity to connect and talk together and share our experiences in a way that reminds us that we are not alone on this journey. Would you like to start us off, Denise? Sure. This one's a little bit lengthy, but there's a lot of of, uh, very valid stuff that I think will apply to a lot of our listeners. Uh, It says, hi, I'm very new to your podcast. I love it. I'm not sure if you've covered this yet, but I have a question about miscarriages. On Friday, I miscarried my baby. I was surprised because with this pregnancy, I felt like I was receiving so many messages. Most messages were owl-related. At one point, I saw five owl-related symbols in the span of a few days, including the word with my name beside it underlined. I began to feel that my baby's totem was the owl and had begun exploring what that would mean about her personality and spirit. My 20-month-old would often also just say owl. My first question is, what do you think, what do you believe happens to the spirit of a miscarried child? In many ways, I feel like I failed her. Questions abound in my head about what I could have done to keep her here on this plane. My second question is, do you feel there's a way to communicate to her that I'm grieving her loss? I meditated on losing her, but I don't know if I connected to anything. I'm beginning to feel that when I meditate on certain outcomes or rejoice situations, they sour quickly. I was taught growing up not to let myself get excited about things in case they didn't turn out. I've been learning a lot about Wiccan beliefs, and with the opening of my spiritual side, I've often let myself speak out loud what I wish to happen or situations I wish to protect. Sometimes it seems those situations go wrong when I do so. For example, on one occasion recently, I imagined a white light around myself, my child, and my in-law's house as we drove there, knowing that my mother-in-law can be very negative. When we got there, she began to yell at us like she never had before, to the point I had to carry my son away from the house as she slammed the door. It was a type of toxicity I'd never been around. I was truly inexpressibly excited about this baby. Everything in my upbringing told me not to be positive until the baby was here, alive, but I skewed that in favor of trusting the connection that I felt with her. I can't help but feel that if I'd remained stoically calm, she might have survived or I might not feel the pain I do now. This leads to my last question. Do you ever find that some people attract negativity when asking for help or get a reminder not to get hopeful? It makes me wary of continuing my spiritual journey. I was never raised with spiritual beliefs and these heavy signs that no one is truly with me sometimes feels more true than the lighter synchronicities that lead me to believe in something. Thank you for your podcast. They've been very helpful to me on my new path. Um, First and foremost, my deepest empathy and compassion for this lady's loss, that's a depth and uh, heartbreak and heartache and that's a deep core pain. So my, my deepest condolences for her and her family. Um, my, um, just real quick on the first question of what do I believe happen? What do we believe happens to the spirit of a miscarried child? First and foremost, when she said, I feel like I failed her. No, I, from all the research from, from 
uh, infants that I've connected to with babies who haven't made it all the way through to completion here, it always, always comes through that it was about a karmic bond, a lesson that both that baby and and the person who went through it had to learn. I think it's a very sacred union um, and that it helps us to learn things and experience things that we might not be able to in any other way, shape or form. And it, and it sucks that it comes with such extreme grief and pain, but I, I think to feel that it was somehow her fault or she had done something wrong to please, please, please forgive yourself and let go of that because I've never, ever had that come through um, in any way, shape or form from spirit that that's the case. No, no, me neither. Many, I was just doing a reading for someone who also recently had a miscarriage. And when I connected with that soul, he was explaining to me when they were looking at his blueprint, something that he needed to accomplish in his adult years, the timing was now off. And so he had to end that pregnancy, but he said he was going to come back fairly soon when the timing for a very much in the future event could align for him. Does that make sense? Yes. So, I think you're you're right that sometimes it's just a karmic bond or a lesson, but often it's just a, a timing issue. I I did another reading with a miscarried soul, and that soul just said, "I what I planned was way too intense, and I need to go back and rewrite it." Wow. So I I think there's a lot of reasons why, you know, some souls end up choosing to be or, or end up be, becoming miscarried. But that karmic bond you talked about, I think is always there. And very, very often that child will come back either to that mother again or as a grandchild or in some other capacity. Right. And an owl a lot of time is about um, inner wisdom, it's trusting your intuitive wisdom, it's observing your environment. It's a very, they're usually very significant about prophecy or uh, about events that may be coming into your life. And I'm not saying that as a doom and gloom. If you see an owl, something bad's gonna happen. That's not at all what I'm saying because each owl has a different message, but they're very, very strong juju. And I think that that's also this lady having a connection with different realms and, and uh, more powerful energy than she may have been aware of at the time. Yes. And I really want to talk about what she said, how she was raised to believe that you shouldn't get your hopes up. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many of us can relate to that, right? That feeling of, well, don't get too excited. Just wait for the other shoe to drop. And I think that, part of her email is completely separate from the part about the miscarriage. I do not believe that just with our thoughts, we can somehow influence the soul not to come all the way through. If that were true, Denise, we wouldn't have the Roe v. Wade discussion to be born, right? Do you know what I mean? Yes. I mean, we don't, we do not hold the power over, life and death and who's coming through and our thoughts are not that powerful they are powerful 
but they're not that powerful. So I just want to make that clear. I feel like this email is really about two very different things, grieving about the loss of the soul. And sometimes when we're in that angry, sad, grief-stricken state, it makes, it makes us doubt and question everything else in our life. So I just kind of want to leave the miscarriage thing aside right now with our prayers for her and ask that all of our listeners pray for her as well, that she gets through this time of grief. And then I just want to move on to the next part of her question, which is about this, this subconscious belief that's implanted in her, that if she gets too excited about something, they won't turn out to actually come true. I really believe that so many kids are raised with that belief, and I think you have to treat it like a weed and pull it out from its roots, because everything comes down to the power of our beliefs. So it's not that the message isn't, oh, if you get your hopes up, the universe is going to go, nah, 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 you're not going to get that because you're too excited. The message is, look at the power of that belief, the root of it. Oh, if I get my hopes up, that other shoe's going to drop and I'm going to be slapped on the face. That's what needs to be eradicated from her garden. Beautiful and I part. think it goes, I think it goes back to, getting in touch with the power, not only of our light and our thoughts, but the power of the universe and the divine force that created us. And when we can truly trust that power, then we can live in alignment. And I am not speaking from up high on some mountain as someone saying, here's how you do it. Because I realize this is an issue I struggle with when I was trying to pick my word of the year. It really <laughs> opened my eyes. I'm serious. It, it really opened my eyes to how much more I have to learn about trusting the universe. Remember the discussions we had? I was like, well, if I pick happiness, is the universe going to show me right. all the things I should be happy for or I could be happy for? Or if I pick health, is the universe going to take away my health to help me appreciate it more? And I realized, holy shit, Samantha, you're just not trusting the universe. Right. And so I really think what this question is about is trusting the universe and trusting yourself. And, and so often... You know, it's like she's trying to choose between, you know, just living in this safe, restricted, I'm going to keep my head down, eyes on the ground, no one notice me world, or if I'm going to choose to really embrace and live in my light. And I think we've all been there. When um, Deb and I had Phyllis Karad on our other podcast, Psychic Teachers, she is a Wiccan priestess and an attorney. She's the one who got the Supreme Court to rewrite the law that would now um, enable soldiers to be buried in Arlington Cemetery with a pentagram to honor their pagan beliefs. So she's pretty much a big deal in the Wiccan community. And before we started recording, I was trying to explain to her that I have such a respect for Wiccan beliefs, but I remain a Catholic and I remain a little freaked out by Wiccan beliefs. And she was like, well, what do you mean? And I told her when I was a little girl, I was about, I don't know, eight or nine, maybe 10. 
and there was a garage sale in my neighborhood. My friend and I got on our bikes and we went down to the garage sale and they were selling the normal, you know, chunky stuff garage sale sell. And there were some books and some game boards that we were looking through. And there was a book on witchcraft. And I remember pulling out two little quarters and handing it to the woman and hiding the book in the basket of my banana seat bike and putting a little blanket on top of it so my mom wouldn't see it my friend wouldn't see it and I rode my bike home and I read that book like all day cover to cover and I thought this is the coolest thing I think this is who I am this resonates with everything in me well I'm sure I didn't use the word resonate because I didn't talk like that then but anyway and that that weekend I was supposed to have this big event with my friends that was outdoors and I was so excited but my dad said, uh-oh, Samantha, look at the weather. It's supposed to rain all weekend. And I was like, no, no, I have to go on this event with my friends. And I remembered that book. And in that book on witchcraft, it was trying to explain how to craft a spell. And it said that one of the most powerful and simplest spells that demonstrates how all of this works is rain, rain, go away, come again another day. Because it rhymes. And with the power of sound, that's important. And it states your intention, rain go away, but it maintains respect for free will and other people and the earth. Come again another day. Isn't that cool? Did you ever think of it that way? No, but that's a, a good way to remember it, too. I know. So all day, as I'm riding my bike and thinking about this big event over the weekend, I'm saying, rain, rain, go away. Come again another day. Rain, rain, go away. Over and over and over. Well, the day of the event arrives, it rains that morning, I'm still saying my spell, song, whatever, and suddenly around 10 a.m., the skies miraculously cleared up and the sun shone all day. To the point that at the 6 o'clock news, the weatherman was like, well, where did we get that sunny day? Like, it was the thing that they talked about. And I remember thinking, I did that, you know, as a nine-year-old does. Mm -hmm. And instead of being like, I did that, I was like, holy cow, I think I did that. And it scared the crap out of me. I threw that book in the garbage and I never looked at that stuff for about 20 more years. Wow. Because we are afraid of our power, don't you think? I think so. And also if you tie in having strong religious beliefs or strong family of origin uh, messages, or you've had a string of events in your life where the rug just kept getting pulled out over and over and over, and it becomes a fear base of, I can't get my hopes up because, you know, I've had so many circumstances in a line of things going bad. I mean, it, there's so many different variables, but I agree. I, I don't think that uh, where, as you know, I think I heard Mona Lisa Schultz say this on a radio show, you know, everyone has a, a higher power and you ain't it. And I think that I love that because there's, we don't get to make that call, but we do have the choice of deciding how we want to react or maybe you know, if it's not going to work out, similar to what we said in our last week's show about giving kids choices, maybe we need to work on that for ourselves. Okay, well, if it is mm. going to rain, what can I do instead that will still be and I won't be completely decimated? I have to mm -hmm. jump back to 
her question about a way to communicate with that baby soul that left. Yeah. Just really Thank quick you. is uh, I personally just can, she said she meditated and didn't know if she was connecting. I definitely think she was connecting. I feel, and I just saw like this beautiful pink warm light around this baby of, you know, send love, send prayers. And also it may be helpful to do some kind of an acknowledgement or a ritual or acknowledge that that, that that soul was with you for the time that it was. And it may be that you, if you, uh, if you love to garden, you, you plant some perennials that will come up every year, or you may get a piece of jewelry that you wear to remember that baby, or you may just do something that's private and personal for you that will acknowledge your connection with that soul, and that may be very helpful in the healing. I agree. I, my friend went through a very difficult miscarriage, and she planted a tree in her yard in honor of that baby. And then she started, someone bought her one of those angel figurines from Hallmark. And I remember when the friend gave it to her, she called me over to the house and she goes, look at this. I know she meant well, but how the hell is this going to make me feel better? And she was so angry that we just kind of laughed about it because it was such a nice thing for this woman to do. And my friend was just in that anger feeling, you know, mm -hmm. she had every right to be. Anyway, she has now gone on to become a collector of those angel figurines and she will often buy an angel figurine in honor of that baby every time she thinks about that little baby and she has a whole shelf of them in her house now and it ended up being a beautiful way to honor that child. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Even though we're pretty damn sure that child came back because she miraculously got pregnant three years later, but that's another story. <laughs> Okay, I will read the next one. Hello, thank you, thank you for all that you do. My friend and I were hanging out the other night and decided to watch a documentary on Netflix. What looked like an interesting flick turned into a depressing exploration of a horrific criminal act. Afterwards, I felt exhausted and drained. Do you have any suggestions of what to do after watching something so disturbing? I changed my clothes and I tried to do some meditation, but I still felt so upset. Do you have a ritual to release toxic videos? Well, I think we've all been there where you kind of just get your popcorn and you settle into your couch and tune into something you think is going to be interesting and informative. And instead, it's, it just shocks you to your core and stays with you like a, like a bad meal. I just, it, it's hard to get rid of that stuff. I think changing your clothes is good. I'm not sure if meditating right away is so good because it might make you think about those images you saw more and more uh, often. I think meditating the next day would be a really great idea or as you're falling asleep and something like that, that love meditation we've talked about on the show before or sending blessings to the people connected to that video. My, the thing that I do, Denise, is I will go on YouTube and I will search up my favorite comedians and watch really funny clips of my favorite comedians doing their thing. That's if a great anyone Googles, you know, Miss Pat, she's one of my favorite comedians. She always makes me laugh. And any, any, any person, everyone's sense of humor is different. Any person that makes you laugh, but just to kind of shock your system out of that and replace those images with something new right away tends to help me a lot. 
That's, that's great, great advice because you're also re changing your focus mentally onto something lighter and that lets you, another thing you can try is taking a shower and letting it r run down the drain. That I've had luck with that before. I have gotten to the point now where I can't, like I'm, I'm impressed as hell that she sat through the whole thing and was able to watch it because I can't. If something yeah. starts getting, I have to get, I shut it off, I walk away, I can't watch it. And I think as empaths, as more, and I don't mean that judgy, like why'd you sit there and watch it? I didn't mean it that way. But I think as empaths, it's becoming more and more difficult to have exposure to things that are so negative and toxic. Uh, but I love, love, love your idea of replacing it with something funny and light and, or, you know, go read a book, get your mind occupied on something else as well. And I agree about the meditation is maybe give it some space and then, you know, re go back the next day with that. Excellent. Okay. Your turn. <laughs> Hi, I just found your podcast and I'm loving it. I listen to your podcast about psychic protections from ghosts and poltergeists. I'm a little confused because it seemed like we were talking about how it may be an unsafe idea to invite ghosts in. I'm an empath and grew up in a religious home and I used to see ghosts. I think I blocked them out because of fear. I'm trying to get over my very deep-rooted fear of mediumship and spirits, but I'm not sure how. What about mediumship in general is less likely to leave me haunted or having a spirit latched onto me? I think I'm mainly asking which types of spirits and entities is it safe to connect with? And while you're open and connecting with the spirit world, how do you make sure to only attract and let in the safe spirits? It just seems like if you're opening yourself up, any spirits, bad as well as good, may be let in because you're open. This fear leaves me so afraid of mediumship and afraid to open myself up to my guides, angels, and the spirit world in general. I'm thinking maybe protection and keeping your vibration high is part of this answer, but I would really appreciate more specific clarification. Do you want to volley that first? Sure. So I, I responded to um, this question and, and what I said to her was that when we do mediumship, we are connecting to loved ones who have passed through the light. So they are very safe, healthy, and happy to connect with. Ghosts, however, are people who have not gone through the light. This means they no longer have a source of energy. When they were living on earth, they got their energy from food, sleep, and water. If they went through the light, they would now get their energy from the light. But because they chose not to, they are stuck and can't get their energy from their usual sources, which means they tend to take it from us. We can feel this because we'll often get more headaches or just feel out of sorts. Kids tend to feel this through tummy aches and we'll often see the ghost as well. So the main thing is to protect yourself from ghosts or earthbounds while safely opening yourself up to connecting with spirits, beings of the light. And the example I gave to her was to think about your home. You can open up your home safely to friends, family, and neighbors. But if you leave your door open all day long to anyone, there's a chance anyone, like someone great or someone with nefarious intentions, could walk in. So when you open up, you always want to ground your energy and say, only loved ones who have gone through the light can connect with me. I just think it's important to think about that difference between opening up and opening up to the light. There's a very, very, very big difference. Very much so. And I 
was doing some research to find some clips for our, our advanced mediumship class. And there was one that uh, Janet Havoc was talking about to another medium. And she said, I've never connected with anything dark, never. And I thought about that and I thought, well, I haven't either. I mean, I, I am more apt to pick up on energy in a building or in a, a situation. But as far as if I'm actively doing mediumship, I can't ever remember connecting with someone, someone or something dark. It just, I've, I've never had that experience. And so then I started, you know, going on YouTube and looking at other mediums. And that seems to be when you, you nailed it beautifully with your answer of who you're trying to connect with, if they're loved ones, if it's coming from a place of love. And it goes back to what we've said before. If it doesn't feel right, tell them to go away. I mean, they're, they're spirit energy. They're not, they're not in charge of you. you can say that. You're not the boss of me. Go away. Uh, also, just um, I, I like your analogy, too, about opening the door and letting anyone in. That's why it's personal opinion so, so important to have a ritual and a routine, get grounded, do your prayer and meditation, go through the steps to open yourself up and set that intention about who you're willing to. You get to decide who you're going to communicate with if you're doing mediumship. It, it's not just a, a open door willy nilly process. And again, that's my own humble opinion. Yeah, no, but that's why it's so con it's so important to connect with your spirit guides because you can set your parameters and boundaries with them and then they can take care of it. I mean, I look at my protector guide like a bouncer, you know, at like a bar. Mm -hmm. He'll keep the, the bad things out. And we always have to remember that you're right. We have the choice. We have the choice. Some people choose to work with the darker elements, you know, like um, John Zaffis or Rosemary Ellen Guiley do a lot of work with the dark side in order to help people. But that's their choice, and they know how to protect themselves to do that work. You can say, no, I just want to do normal, happy connection. <laughs> right. And you so, know, if anyone has done any type of uh, shamanic or energy work where you go into, you know, do soul retrievals or rescue mediumship from, you know, from a spiritual perspective, that you do learn different protection techniques to go and work with those types of energies. But I agree with you that it needs to be, if you're called to that kind of work, be really conscientious about um, your ritual, your routine, and your protection techniques. Yeah. Yeah, and I recommended that she read Relax, It's Only a Ghost by Echo Bodine and Psychic Protection by Ted Andrews, just for more information on that. But I do not think it is unsafe to open yourself up to mediumship or else you and I wouldn't be here doing what we do. No. I do think it's unsafe to open yourself up without any education or knowledge or expertise behind you. And I think that's happening a lot for people right now, just in the sense of that more and more people are waking up. There is more sensitivity. There is more awareness. There's also so much uh, media acceptance and social acceptance of this that hasn't been around since probably, you know, the late 1800s. And we both know history is cyclical and we're back in that place. But I, I truly think that whether you learn with uh, go through something so that you know what you're doing. Don't, don't just randomly jump out and start opening yourself up because that's when you might invite 
energies in that um, you don't really want in your in your field. And wouldn't you agree that even with ghosts, ninety nine percent of them are very nice and fine. Yes. Yes. And I mean, they're not all bad. It's just that one percent. It's like. You know, why do I carry mace on my keychain? Do I think all people are going to mug me? No. But I know that statistics show 1% may try, and I want to be prepared for that inevitable, that, not inevitable, ooh, take that back, but, you know, that, what's the word I'm trying to say? <laughs> the, the, the um, just, well, on the slim chance that it did, you're ready. You're prepared. You're being yeah. proactive, yes. And, yeah, and that's, and that's how I feel prepared. about doing mediumship when you practice psychic protection it's like carrying mace oh that's that's a good way to look at it you ready for the next one i am okie dokie i think you're reading this one. <laughs> oh, i am i'm sorry <laughs> whoops okay hi i want to thank you both for bringing me back in touch with my intuitive self I love how real you are. I've always known I was a little woo-woo. I started listening to psychic teachers a few years ago, but got caught up in life and wandered away. Lately, I've been experiencing a lot of stress-related symptoms, and as I was searching for meditation techniques, psychic teachers popped back up in my podcast list. I started listening again and heard you mention the Enlightened Empath podcast, and so I've been listening every day. Wow, there are so many things throughout my life from childhood to now that finally make sense. So please keep sharing. My question is for the crystal chick, Samantha. <laughs> I'm in the medical field. Obviously, I was drawn to this field because of being an empath. I love my career, but lately I've been experiencing a lot more stress after my shift. Oddly, it seemed to have increased since I've been working on my intuitive self again. I've been wearing Labradorite every day and cleanse it often. It seems to help while I'm at work, but as soon as my shift is over, I get an overwhelming amount of physical stress and anxiousness. Is there another crystal or combination of crystals that you'd recommend to help with releasing the negative energy attaching to me from my patients and coworkers while allowing me to remain open to help those people that need it? So, yeah, these are always hard questions for me, Denise, because I'm like, sure, there's any of 50 that would be perfect for that. <laughs> so... I always try to pick crystals that are readily available for most people to find. I think prehnite is a really great stone for a healer to hold on to because it's this lovely, um, like milky green color, like a light apple green, but it has this milky quality and it reminds you to nurture yourself, to take care of yourself as much as you are taking care of others. Pink opal also does that beautifully. Black tourmaline, you know, she could just keep one in each pocket of her scrubs as she's working because what black tourmaline does is it deflects any junk being sent at you. So whereas like hematite puts up a shield and it's like nothing's getting in or out, you know, it's just this big, I look at it like a knight in shining armor hematite. Black tourmaline is a little different. It's like a filter. It'll let the good stuff in, but it'll block out all the bad stuff. I always tell, like, anytime I get a massage, I mean, I have a, a favorite massage therapist, but if I go to someone new, I will bring them a black tourmaline and tell them to put it under their table because it'll help 
think about when you're on a massage table, you're dropping all your stress Mm -hmm. and it's just dropping into that room. And the massage therapist, 99% of them are empaths and they're little sponges and they're just going to absorb it. But that black tourmaline acts like a strong sponge and it's going to absorb all of it first before it can get to you. Smoky quartz is great because smoky quartz works like a filter inside of us. And so it helps to filter out sadness and anxiety inside of us. So black tourmaline is more about, you know, shielding you from other people's stuff, whereas smoky quartz is about shielding you from you. Green quartz is often called a healer stone as well because it helps to grow in abundance, but it also helps your heart chakra to grow so that you can focus on self-love. And then tiger's eye, which is such a great stone for confidence and enhancing your solar plexus chakra and bringing up your self-esteem so that on those days where you think, oh, does it even matter if I clock into work tomorrow? This is just too much. Tiger's eye will kind of give you that boost of confidence you need. And then black kyanite, finally, is my last one I'll throw out there. Black kyanite is one of the best cord cutters you can get. So if, for example, she's working on a patient and she goes home for the weekend and she just cannot get that patient off her mind, maybe a patient said something really mean or cruel to her, or maybe a patient said something that just was very sad and longing and it's staying with her. She can use black kyanite to um, cut any cords from her chakras that may have linked in. And black kyanite grows in a natural wand shape. And so all you have to do is point it towards you Um, aiming it at each chakra, and then go in a counterclockwise direction and intend to cut and pull the cord out. I um, hate to sound like a salesman, but I do have a bag (laughs) of stones for sale on my website that's called the Healer's Bag, and it has black tourmaline, smoky quartz, green quartz, and tiger's eye in it. And that little bag, I recommend that people carry with them, either keep it in your office or on your person, or even just in your purse, or sleep with it under your pillow um, to help clean out your aura while you sleep. All of those stones, you can also just pop into a bathtub if you're taking a bath and you just want to decharge from your whole week. So those are my favorite stones for that. Do you have anything to add? No, how could I add anything to that? Okay. <laughs> you know, you covered it beautifully, and and your your depth of knowledge in this area is just astounding. You really you have such a depth, and you present it so well. So, thank you. I think we always learn so much from you when you share your crystal knowledge. <laughs> no, truly. I hope that came out as the compliment it was intended to be. Uh, no, it definitely did. Thank you. Okay. Uh, the next one is, hello, Samantha and Denise. I was wondering if it might be possible for you to speak on a show about relationships and growing spiritually. For myself, I am very seriously seeking a spiritual life and practice. My partner, on the other hand, is just not that interested and really doesn't have any interest in spirituality at all. My partner and I love each other very much and we get along beautifully, but I feel a disconnect in this area, which for me is significant. He can sometimes in a joking way, belittle my beliefs and I don't feel supported in the arena of my life. For this reason, I don't really talk about my spirituality. I don't really talk about spirituality very often with him. However, I would love to. 
I sometimes wonder in order for my own progression, if it would be best for us to part ways. Do either of you have experience with this? Thank you so much. What I love about this note is the overriding feeling I get and from what she shared, she says, my partner and I love each other very much and we get along beautifully. And so it's this one aspect of life which could be that the partner is unsure of or is making, um, you know, kind of a disparaging remark out of either not understanding or fear or uh, it could be anything. But I, um, I think when there are so many positive things in a relationship, be really cautious about stepping away uh, because there, it may be something that grows and evolves with time in the if there were a lot of other red flags around this relationship, that would change my perspective. And it also may be just lack of exposure to, but I, from a personal, I mean, the fact that she's holding back on talking about things spiritually is that, but it doesn't feel like she's completely hiding her spirituality. And I think that that's a huge uh, discretionary piece in this. Are, are you still able to talk about it? Are you feeling comfortable? or are you shutting yourself down? That's huge. What do you think? Yeah, I know I agree with everything that you're saying. I always say I have my four A's for ending a relationship, uh, abandonment, abuse, addiction, adultery. And if a relationship doesn't have those four elements, I think it's worth fighting for. And so I'm not sure that this has hit that point where you need to walk away. But, you know, the other thing I, I, I always believe, and it could just be me personally, I think couples are stronger when they're, when they don't think alike. Right. You know, I would never, I remember someone, someone once said to me, I wish there was like a twin me that I could marry. And I remember thinking, why? Like, I, you know, I wouldn't want someone exactly like me. That's so boring. You want someone who's going to challenge your thoughts and help you to progress and, and help you to help them progress and think deeper. So I, and then I always look at like James Carville and Mary Matlin, you know, who have James Carville's like Mr. Democrat and Mary Matlin's like Miss Republican. And they've been married for over 20 years and they argue beautifully. So I don't think you have to agree on everything and see eye to eye to have a flourishing relationship. When he says that his partner belittles his belief sometimes, that makes me pause because I don't like that energy. But again, I wouldn't look at that and say, well, I'm leaving you and leaving this relationship unless there were other, you know, like one of the four A's I mentioned. I think what I would do is I would say, you know, when you talk like that about my spiritual beliefs, it kind of hurts my feelings. And I'd like to explore that with you. Are you afraid of what the way I think? Do you think it's going to change me or change us? Are you worried that I'm going so far down this path that's different from your path that it's going to separate us? Behind your need to belittle me, I feel is some fear and some anger. And I think we should talk about that. That's true. And, and I... I think that would be a really good way to at least start that discussion. And then really most of the time, anyone, anytime people go to anger, unless they're just an asshole, most of the time when people, 
when people go to anger, it's rooted in fear. Yes. And in, in relationships, what are we afraid of? We're afraid of losing the person. And sometimes when we go through spiritual awakenings, our partner can feel like, who are you? You're not the person I first met. What's happening? I'm afraid. But they don't know how to voice that. So I would just state how you feel. And remember, if you remember anything about therapy, you never use you statements. You want to use I statements. When you said such and such to me, it made me feel blah, blah, blah. You know, instead of, you know, pointing the finger, just say, I feel this way when you belittle me. I know you probably that is not your intention. Nevertheless, this is how I'm feeling. Can we please talk about this? Because I love you and I don't want this to damage our amazing relationship. I'd like to add one more little thing as far as relationships. Mm -hmm as empaths, and we've read Judith Orlock, and we've listened to Christian Northrup, and we've done all the research, and we've lived it as human beings on the planet, I always come back to that, and this comes up stronger and stronger and stronger the more I talk to people. Uh, you know, I, I've always said I see when I'm intuitively connecting with people's energy, I see couples eye to eye, back to back, side to side, and very rarely I'll see a Venn diagram, the two intersecting circles. And that Venn diagram, remaining, keeping your autonomy, keeping that part of you that is unique and individual and sensitive, but having such a strong shared middle with someone. And I think as empaths, we really need to strive towards that Venn diagram of that, keeping that piece of us that is what makes us so incredible and sensitive and loving and open, but also having that shared connection so we know there's someone that, that we can share our life with completely. Uh, and I, I just, feel, it feels like more and more, and it's similar to no matter what you do for, if you're doing any kind of spiritual work or any kind of intuitive or you're a highly sensitive person, have something completely different on the side that is, you know, you may run, you may do crafts, you may bake, you may, it doesn't matter what it is, have something completely different. And I think that that in a strange sort of way applies to relationships as well. You may love to go camping together and you're so, but having something that's all yours and your partner having something that's all theirs, I think it helps the relationship in the long run. I agree. Okay, we have one last quick question on crystals before we wrap up. And this person writes, just wondering about crystals. I know they come in all different sizes. What size do you recommend for healing benefits? Would earrings made with specific crystals have the same effect as ones worn directly against the skin? Can crystals be healing just to have in close proximity to you? Well, I am happy to report that at least when we are talking about crystals, size does not matter. <laughs> I am not touching that at all. <laughs> We will leave that where it is. But truly, size does not matter. It's, it's like, um, think about us. If each of us is a, is a piece of the light, are we diminished because we're just a piece of the light? Do we all need to rejoin the light to have power? No. Each one of us has healing powers because we are a piece of the light. It's the same with a crystal. You don't need to sit in a crystal cave to have the effects of that crystal. You can just have a chip, a piece of that crystal, and it will still connect to the healing powers of its source. 
the same way that we do. So I just want to make that clear. I do think that something special happens when we wear a crystal. And I, but however, I'm going to contradict myself. I don't think a crystal has to be in close proximity with you all the time to have its healing effect. I just think it's nice to have a couple of crystals that you wear on your person a lot because it just helps. Maybe it's just a placebo thing where it's just reminding you constantly, oh yeah, I'm wearing this rhodochrosite because I'm working on loving myself more. I'm wearing this hematite because I'm working on setting boundaries. So maybe it's just that, but I like to always have a crystal on my person. And it doesn't matter to me if it's earrings or a necklace or a bracelet or a ring. I just think as long as it's physically on your energy, it connects really, really nicely. But again, sometimes I will buy a crystal and I'll get it home and I'll kind of forget to work with it and it'll just sit in my bowl of other crystals. And then a couple of weeks will go by and I'll realize all the things I bought that crystal to help me with, I've started to incorporate into my life in those, in those intervening weeks. And I always, I don't know, is it because I bought the crystal? Is it because I set the intention? I don't know. All I know is that it works. And that's what matters to me. So I don't think a crystal has to be giant. I don't think it has to be on your body. But I do think it's nice to wear crystals or carry them in your pocket or your bra or wherever you choose to. You would not believe to me how many people I know have told me, I tuck them in my bra. (laughs) So wherever you choose to wear your crystal, um, I think it's nice just to have that that connection, that relationship with them. But any work with crystals, whether they're just decoration in your house, sitting on your windowsills in a big bowl, they are going to raise the vibration of your home, which is in turn going to affect your vibration in a positive way as well. Did you say something? I said it was very, that was very nice. That's a nice way to oh. mind it. And also how we, you know, sometimes I used to wear an amethyst pendant whenever I would do readings and I wore it. It was very consistent. I felt like my readings were, and then all of a sudden I lost it. And I, well, first it fell and it chipped and I thought, oh, well, that's okay. I'm still going to wear it. And then I, I have no idea where it went. I've looked, I've dug, I, there's no sign of it. So I know on some level, that's not what I'm meant to be wearing right now. So I, yeah. I really... you know, that's, oh, that's actually a thing in the crystal world. If, if a crystal uh, breaks, it means it's done the work it came to do with you. And it doesn't mean you're done with that crystal, but it does mean it needs a break from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, bitch, we are working too hard together. <laughs> I need a break. <laughs> So I always recommend that you take that stone and you put it in like a bowl or a bag of sage and just let it recuperate from all the hard work it's been doing for you. And then if you want to keep working with it, you can, but I really recommend that you either return it to the earth or pass it on to somebody else. Because what your story just demonstrated, you know, the amethyst chipped, you still wore it and then you lost it Uh and it's gone. Right. So that's, I, that's I do believe that it'll means. show up again, though, when it's time to be reused again, and I'll cleanse it and, and re, re-buy it, because it, I know it's somewhere in the house, and it just, it's being a little elusive right now, but I've had the same thing. I used to wear a 
onyx earrings whenever I would do readings because for protection, I always wore these little onyx earrings and then I lost one of them. And I, it took me, because you get in that, that this is that whole ritual and routine of doing readings. You get used to, okay, well, when I do this, I wear this, this pendant, I wear these in, and it becomes part of that whole process of getting in the mode of, of doing the work. So uh, being sensitive to which crystals you need or which stones you need at the time can really, really be indicative of what's going on in your life and what you need to, um, to channel, I think. Yeah, I agree. And don't forget our four-legged friends. I put little crystals, um, I, I put them into, like I'll wire wrap them and I'll hang them on their, uh, on their collar. Oh my. Yeah, that can be a really nice thing to do, especially if you have like a little anxious pet, you could get a little lapidolite and put it in those wire cages or just wire wrap it yourself and just clip it to their collar. It helps them too. Okay. Crystal talk has ended and we have come <laughs> to the end of our show. I, I would just like to say thank you to everyone that sent the nice notes about our conversational show because we were a little hesitant yes. to do that. We've had so many beautiful, nice responses. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing it and I'm sure that we'll, we'll do it again. And it's where we, well, we pretty much just chat anyway, but um, that, that was a fun show to do. So thank you to everyone that wrote in. Yeah, it's so nice to think about people taking time out of their busy day just to email us something nice like that. It, yeah. it makes my whole day. Me too. So we definitely do appreciate that. Um, don't forget, in May, I am teaching um, by myself on my own uh, the Be Your Own Psychic webinar. So if you want to learn more about your psychic abilities, you can sign up for that. It's a four-week class. It will be videoed and recorded and emailed to your inbox. So if you can't make one of those nights in May, that's absolutely fine. You will be partnered up each week with someone new from class to work on and hone your psychic abilities. And then in June, on the Thursday evenings in June, Denise and I are back together and we're teaching our beginning mediumship webinar. We call it Mediumship 101. Uh, same thing as what I just said for the Be Your Own Psychic webinar, where you'll be partnered up with someone new, and you will learn how to link in and connect with the other side and get real, live, hands-on practice with your mediumship ability. All of that information can be found on my website, samanthafay.com, and on Denise's thegratefulmessenger.com, and we'll also post links on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empaths. And if you have no interest in any of that, but you still want to help out the show, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It really helps our show and it helps other people to find us. So thank you all so much for tuning in week after week and sharing your comments, questions, stories. We just love it. We love this community that we are growing. And we're just really happy that we get to connect with you guys each week. We hope that you always remember to show up do great work and share your light. Bye-bye.